0: glad to be here today and we're going to, get to go through a great chapter today It we're continuing the theme that we have until we get to the end of 37 it's a theme of deliverance and renewal and it goes on in 31 and 32 because we are working our way to 37 where we will see god bring a deliverance to his people from a very bad situation and it's a situation that you know In earthly terms, they had no business being delivered from it. For we see the Assyrian army, they were on a great winning streak. They were taking everybody down. And right at this point in 37, they were hanging around. Jerusalem had surrounded, but God himself reached down with his mighty right arm and took the Assyrians out all by himself if you remember last week we talked about trusting in god and not in the egyptians or or any man for that matter. uh today's passage we're going to look at is what i call and I, looking at this it reminded me so much of this it's a you know we use a different term for it, but in in church i'm going to call it a managerial style message And you're thinking, what are the heck are you talking about? Well, if you've ever had to deliver a reprimand to an employee, or maybe you're the employee that got this, um, the best technique someone will use is when they bring you in, they will talk to you first about all the positive they see in you. They'll bridge that gap. They'll, They'll gain your concurrence. And then they'll go into talking about where your performance is lacking. And you've already agreed with them on other stuff. So the employee will, will listen. And then when they agree, and then you work on that plan. And then you move into more positives, the good things that are come by making those positive changes in your work performance. Um, so while it's not going to be exactly the managerial message? Well, number one, because this whole passage, Isaiah sang it, and I'm not singing it for you today. And and I expected a few more amens coming from the crowd that way. but um, and, and I guarantee you, no one in, in my staff wants me to sing to them. But this does have three very similar parts to this. So number one, We're going to look at verses 1 through 8, verses 1 through 8, and we're going to call this a king and a new kingdom, a king and a new kingdom. And then we're going to look at verses 9 through 14, which is a familiar call to obedience. And then we'll finish it with verses 15 through 20, which is the spirit and the new kingdom the spirit and the new kingdom let's go over the passage together chapter 32 behold a king will reign in righteousness and princes will rule in justice each will be a hiding place from the wind a shelter from the storm like streams of water in a dry place like the shade of a great rock In a weary land then the eyes of those who see will not be closed and the ears of those who hear will give attention the heart of the hasty will understand and know and the tongue of the stammerers will hasten to speak distinctly the fool will no more be called noble nor the scoundrel will be said to be honorable for the fool speaks folly and his heart is busy with iniquity to practice ungodliness, to utter error concerning the Lord, to leave the craving of the hungry unsatisfied, and to deprive the thirsty of drink. As for the scoundrel, his devices are evil. He plans wicked schemes to ruin the poor with lying words. Even when the plea of the needy is right, But he who is noble plans noble things, and on noble things he stands. Rise up, you women who are at ease. Hear my voice. You complacent daughters, give ear to my speech. In a little more than a year, you will shudder, you complacent women. For the grape harvest fails, the fruit harvest will not come. Tremble, you women who are at ease shudder you can place at once, strip and make yourselves bare, tie sackcloth around your waist, beat your breasts for the pleasant fields, for the fruitful vine, for the soil of my people, growing up in thorns and briars, yes, for the joyous houses in the exultant city, for the palace is forsaken, the populous city deserted, the hill and the watchtower, will become dens forever, a joy of wild donkeys, a pasture of flocks. Until the spirit is poured out upon us from on high and the wilderness becomes a fruitful field and the fruitful field is deemed a forest, then justice will dwell in the wilderness and the righteousness abide in the fruitful field And the effects of the righteousness will be peace and the result of righteousness, quietness, and trust forever. My people will abide in a peaceful habitation, in secure dwellings, and in a quiet resting places. And it will hail when the forest falls down, and the city will be utterly laid low. And happy are you who sow beside all waters let the feet of the ox and the donkey range free let's pray dear Jesus we thank you so much for this time where we can see you in this word we can see of a time that you'll be coming and ruling forever just now quiet our hearts and our minds help us to hear your message through the Holy Spirit in this passage we thank you so much for this time that we can gather weekly and hear from you and worship unitedly. In your precious name we pray, amen. So verses 1 through 8, the king and a new kingdom. Okay, so we know bad things are coming, right? Bad things are coming. Isaiah keeps reminding us and reminding God's people that you know what? You are God's people, but you're acting outside of God. So therefore, stuff is going to happen to you. So this week, Isaiah is taking a break from messages of calling them to God. And and today in 32, Isaiah is going to give them a picture of what's going to happen. You are going to be punished, but here's the ultimate picture of what's going to take place and they're going to look and understand although they're going to go through a lot of pain there's assurance that it's all going to be better and we're going to be with God forever now this starts in verse 1 it says behold a king will reign in righteousness and princes will rule in justice the king mentioned here the king mentioned here is the same king we saw in chapter 9. Chapter 9 is that passage you hear from preachers every Easter, right? And then we also see him in chapter 11. And even in chapter 11, verses 4 and 5, mentions how he will judge in righteousness, and he will be righteous. Both of these messianic prophets and the king mentioned in verse one, it's the same message. This is Jesus, and he's going to reign forever. Now the princes here, the princes will be men that have been instructed by God. And we saw them, if you remember, we saw them in chapter 28, verse 26. Before that, though, if you remember what's happening, Isaiah is talking to these false priests of the day you know they had just they had just he came out upon them as they'd been in an awful state they had been worshiping they they'd made this deal with the Egyptians and therefore they were parting with Egyptians they were worshiping the goddess mutt the goddess of, of death and if you remembered like I explained when you worshiped her it makes perfect sense because there's no way This idol is going to do anything for you. So what the Egyptians told him is you have to drink for days on end and not eat. And then when you're done with that, you know, the Egyptian goddess will come to you. Well, if you do that, how would you ever know who came to you? If you just sat there and drank for days on end, you're not going to remember much of anything. So as they're coming out of that, Isaiah says they were covered in bodily filth from throwing up and doing other things, for being in a room for three days drinking. And he came to them as they were hungover and spoke to them and, and told them, you know, what you need to do to understand and what you need to be obedient, and they weren't it. So he gave them analogy of a picture of the men that did listen to God. And he, it was a picture of, of, of agriculture which they all knew back then. It was commonplace. It was saying that God had instructed them so they knew when to, when to till the soil, when to plant, and when to reap. And these men are God's saints, and they will rule in justice. 1 Corinthians 6.3 says, the saints will judge the angels. So if you're a believer and in heaven, this is what your job will be. This is, this is you in the Bible right here as, as just men servicing. And it says in verse 2, Each will be a hiding place from the wind, a shelter from the storm, like streams of water in a dry place, and like the shade of a great rock in a weary land. This is a refreshing idea, especially from where we live right now, right? Because we know what it's like to have a hiding place from that wind. I think it was particularly morbid to walk outside at eight o'clock and feel a hot wind. So we know what it's like to have that hiding place from it. We know what it's like to visit streams of water in this dry land to include swimming pools, right? And and to find shade in a land that is very hot that is very important but when it comes to storms we don't have much experience in that right the good thing is we have friends and family members in other parts of the of the country that can tell us what storms are but we will have this refreshment from it isaiah 4 6 tells us there will be a booth for shade by day from the heat and for refuge and from a shelter from the storm and rain. And the key thing to note here is what they tell us is the princes will rule in justice. And so what it's saying is they they will all be good apples. There's not gonna be a bad one in the batch. They will all be good. Because right now, if you look at leaders, you don't know who to believe and you don't know who is actually caring for you or caring for their own good so to live in this time will be both amazing and it'll be refreshing to know they care just for you and your welfare verses three and four verses three and four then the eyes of those who see will not be closed and the ears of those who hear will give attention the heart of the hasty will understand and know and the tongue of the stammerers will hasten to speak distinctly in that day we're going to see four transformations in god's people where isaiah cannot get them to listen and obey and hear right now in this time they will see and they won't look away they will hear and they will pay attention their heart, or their, their mind in this case, will understand what's being said. And they will not delay in speaking. So they will hear, see, understand, and then speak with clarity. Verses 5-8 through in the new kingdom, righteousness reigns. So in verse 5 it says... The fool will no more be called noble, nor the scoundrel said to be honorable. For the fool speaks folly, and his heart is busy with iniquity to practice ungodliness, to utter error concerning the Lord, to leave the craving of the hungry unsatisfied, and to deprive the thirsty of drink. As for the scoundrel, his devices are evil. He plans wicked schemes to ruin the poor with lying words, even when the, the plea of the needy is right. So more good news, right? In our current imperfect society, verses 5 through 7 are the norm, as they were back in Isaiah's day. And Isaiah is pointing to the reign of Christ, where people will be honorable, righteous, and serving god in verses three and four we see we talked about being able to see hear and understand and speak all honor in god and five through seven shows us what is currently happening in the world with the world's leaders today and the good thing is is this behavior will occur no longer people will be called what they are The news feeds will no longer expose someone who we all thought was full of integrity and righteous. Um, We will be able to see that person and know exactly what they are. And in that day when they speak against God, we will understand that the message is false. And we will be quick to speak about the truth of God. In Micah 3, 5 through 7, Micah three five through seven says it this way thus says the Lord concerning the prophets who lead my people astray who cry peace when they have something to eat but declare war against him who puts nothing in their mouths therefore it shall be night to you without vision and darkness to you without divination the sun shall go down on the prophets and the day shall be black over them. The seers shall be disgraced, and the diviners will be put to shame, and they shall all cover their lips, for there is no answer from God. Amen. And then verse 8 closes this out and says, But he who is noble plans noble things, and on noble things he stands. And a term we can use for noble is righteous going back to how Jesus is going to reign during this period verse 8 is is meant to show us the personal spiritual and social characteristics which are from God that these men will have and rule with it is the characteristics that will bring us safely through life's pressures Because knowing we are accepted by God and knowing what our future will be like will be able to guide us through all the temporary difficulties we have in this world. Now, the second session, the part where we go over what we need to improve upon. Verses 9 through 14, it's a familiar call to obedience. A familiar call to obedience. Nine says, rise up, you women who are at ease. Hear my voice, you complacent daughters. Give ear to my speech. In a little more than a year, you will shudder, you complacent women. For the grape harvest fails. The fruit harvest will not come. Tremble, you women who are at ease. Shudder, you complacent ones. Strip. Make yourselves bare, tie sackcloth around your waist. Beat your breasts for the pleasant fields, for the fruitful vine, for the soil of my people will be growing up in thorns and briars. Yes, for all the joyous houses in the exultant city, for the palace is forsaken, the populous city deserted. The hill and the watchtower will become dens forever, a joy joy a joy of wild donkeys and pasture of flocks if this passage sounds familiar to you it's because it is we went over the same message in isaiah 3 16 through 26 and isaiah is again telling them you no know, in fact he's urging them the people to fight complacency the fight the need to be popular in the eyes of the people around them at this time and seek the everlasting and understand the truth that is going on so Isaiah is again prophesying as we see him do before a twofold message one that's going to be immediately taking place within a year or two and then one that's going to happen a little bit down the line We see him talking about what's going to happen, this current siege when they're surrounded from the Assyrians. And then a later time when the Babylonians appear and they lose their land, their houses, their cities, and pretty much everything, everything. So the goal of Isaiah is to tell them, you know, hey, your unfaithful behavior needs to be corrected and a good part of letting go of all the worldly comforts are going to happen here in verses 15 through 18. And he's talking about the women here who basically had everything at their fingertips, and their only concern was what they would wear as they went out that day. Remember we saw in Isaiah chapter 3, they had the finest. They knew very well what to wear, And they also even practiced walking with the anklets around them so they would make the proper noise to be seen and recognized as they walked through the marketplace. They wanted to draw that attention. They had a false trust in the current situation they were living in. They thought they would live in this environment forever. So they were living in a manner that was blind to God and deaf to his word. They chose only to understand what was popular in that day in the culture, and they only spoke on and spoke with each other of what was wanted that day in the marketplace and who were the right dealers to go to to get it. And in verse 10 tells us, In a little more than a year, things would change For the worse, the grape harvest will fail. And where there are no grapes, there is no wine. And I believe they will shudder for the reason of the vineyard failing. And it's failing because it's occupied, right? Who's enjoying the vineyard is the Assyrians. So in verse 11, Isaiah is telling them to become humble. And the picture we see is exactly the same thing we saw in the book of Jonah with the Ninevites, right? I mean, the Ninevites were so humble, they understood, they believed God's message through Jonah, even though Jonah was probably just haphazardly giving it because he didn't want to see the Ninevites saved, right? But the Ninevites were so humble that not only did they put on sackcloth, sit in ashes the king had the animals do the same exact thing what a picture that had to have been but Isaiah is not giving them a picture here of crying out it's worse he's giving them a picture of them going into captivity basically he's telling them hey plan on being stripped down and walking bare to your new land And we saw this earlier when the Egyptians were defeated by the Assyrians. They stripped them down bare and had them walk to the new land they would be living in. And it wasn't just them. We also saw this picture of the northern ten tribes. And in verse 12 he's telling them they will cry out. They will cry out because their lifestyle has changed. And it's no longer comfortable. They will beat their breasts. They will no longer have these fertile fields and all that is produced by them. Assyria is going to come out and wipe out their crops. And later Babylon is going to take away almost all their people and move them on. 13 says, for the soil of my people growing up in thorns and briars. Now, 13 uses the term thorns and briars to explain what's going to happen in this new wasteland they're living in. And in that team, thorns could grow anywhere, but briars are only grown in a wasteland. So using them together, these two terms, Isaiah is giving us a picture of the land become an utter, utter wasteland. 14 says... For the palace is forsaken, the populous city deserted, the hill and the watchtower will become dens forever, a joy of the wild donkeys and a pasture of flocks. 14 opens up with the familiar word for, and in this case we could say indeed, and it's saying because of their disobedience, because of it, and their disobedience to God and his word, indeed, this city is going to go abandoned for a period of time. And this major city, if you can imagine it, like being in a major city today, all the noise and bustle from people and from traffic and all that, everything they consider important is going to be stopped. It's going to be quiet. and God is going to give that example they will leave not and it will not be populated again until a new generation returns and again much like we've been told earlier we're going to see animals will occupy this city and they will experience joy in their new in their new land so then verses 15 through 20 The Spirit and the New Kingdom. The Spirit and the New Kingdom. 15 starts the end section, the last part of this managerial message. We move back to the good news portion for the path we need to be on. 15 starts off until the Spirit is poured out on us from on high and the wilderness becomes a fruitful field and the fruitful field is deemed a forest. So here God is promising an incredible gift for his people. He is promising that the Holy Spirit is going to be poured out. And in Psalm 104:30 says, when you send forth your spirit, they are created and you renew the face of the ground. So what better passage to hear after their land is made a wasteland so we see 13 and 14 are not a final end a better day is promised by God God will renew the face of the new and bring in a new earth and as we saw earlier all there will be the new absolutes and security will be put in place for God's people we will ultimately, get this, we will ultimately see the curse of sin from Adam's time removed. It's gone. It's, we can't even take that word lightly, because all we know as humans is the curse of sin. And the emptiness and the wasteland in verse 13 and 14 will be reversed. In fact, Nothing man can ever cultivate will even compare. God calls the fruitful field, if you can get this picture in your mind, he calls this fruitful field a forest, a forest which is thick and populous. Verse 16 says, Then justice will dwell in the wilderness, and righteousness abide in that fruitful field. 16 here looks back to verse 1 to emphasize how the land will be during this messianic period, the time of Christ. And the 17 says, and the effect of righteousness will be peace, and the result of righteousness, quietness, and trust forever. So we don't want to miss what God is offering in, in his blessings here, right? He will bring righteousness, because we can't. And all the outcome will, will be of, the outcome will be peace, quietness and trust. And the good part, it's not temporary anymore. It is forever. Um, and this is a great verse to memorize, and to remember when your days are really tough, when times are really hard, when you get that diagnosis from the doctor or when a loved one is seriously ill, and is not gonna make it, it's good to look back and remember, because our final outcome, no matter what else happens on this earth, our final outcome is peace and quietness from these storms of life, and we will have trust in our leaders and Christ, and it will be again forever. Verse 18, it says, My people will abide in a peaceful habitation, in secure dwellings, in quiet resting places. So the promises of of verse 17 are seen here as promises of security from enemies. God is saying, My people who we can see are his children that we saw last week in 31 6 and also in verse 9 of 32 that responded to his appeals he made the appeals and these are the ones that responded in the the positive and they turned from their ways to God's ways and actually what we see here at ease in verse 9 links exactly to resting places in 16 It means secure, and they listened to the word of God and were obedient. So we see people have responded and have the security found at the end of 18. And then we wrap up this section with verses 19 and 20. It says, and it will hail when the forest falls down, and the city will be utterly laid low it says happy are you who sow beside all waters who let the feet of the ox and the donkey range free i know you're saying wait a minute how did 19 get into this message it doesn't sound so positive um with the thought is we ended all this bad talk after 14 right we see isaiah telling us that while the end is coming We can do nothing to stop it. We need to remember to be faithful. Verse 20 promises glory of a kind that we can only imagine but will not really understand until we are there. 19 offers us a promise that judgment will take place to the evil and for those that continue to go their own way. The forest in 19 is is the sin affected in this world. And the city is the life that's organized by human beings. Their judgment is fixed and will not change. Isaiah is telling us of this judgment awaits everyone who does not change their lifestyle by fleeing to God. Verse 20 is this awesome pastoral scene here that we got, and it's an alternative to 19 in 20 in 20 we see here to use a common american term here happy cows making happy cheese right we see mountaintops that are flowing water down to the fields and here we're going to be under we're going to be under three things we're going to be under number one divine blessing we will be under divine blessing We see that in Psalm 32, 1. It says, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. It's an easy verse to understand, but it is so powerful if you think about it in the light of eternity that blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Verse 20 will be such a paradise for that. Enjoying the fulfillment of life. Enjoying the fulfillment of life. Psalm 112.1 says, Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. It's not a child that obeys his parents. As he's grumbling or they're grumbling all the way to go do it. It's a person that has this Bible, and loves the commandments they're getting out of it. It says, praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. We will enjoy that fulfillment. Three is doing the right things. So we see in Psalm 12C, that's a little bit further down in in Psalm 212. It says, blessed are all who take refuge in him. So we see verse 20 has all three of these has all three of these. We will be in divine favor. We will actually know fulfillment, fulfillment, and there will be righteousness. So hopefully we all understood this managerial message and it's worked. Or we're going to have to have another meeting with HR involved. but we don't want to do that right and then next week next week we move into a new section we start chapter 33 we have ended and this section will end in 35 as we make our way to 37 and what's good about it it finishes up our sixth woe so we will see what al brings to us next week on that and let's pray Dear Jesus, we just love you so much. We want to know this this fulfillment. We want to know this peace. Help us to reflect on it. All the time that we can. It'll seem like it's been a very little time since we once we stand before you. The temporary struggles and woes of this world will be gone, and we'll be standing before a righteous God, in security, protected, and, and just able to praise you. We thank you for the message and reminder of this as we go through this world, and, and we see all the pitfalls from the curse of sin, but we can't wait till you remove that curse, and we live out forever with you. Thank you so much for that. Amen.